are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Sun Devil fans, it is a Tuesday edition of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. Talking to you a lot about Bull Week. However, we're going to start this podcast off today with a little bit of information about the basketball team uh, and kind of where some individual players uh, stack up against the rest of the Pac-12. Uh, and that includes that three-point percentage, steals, blocks, assists. We're going to be getting into all that and where your favorite Sun Devils stack against the rest of their competition. We're also getting into a little bit more of a preview for the Vegas Bowl, specifically for players to watch on offense and defense. And then we're going to be referencing uh, some fun facts about the Sun Devils and this upcoming Vegas Bowl. Thank you so much for making Locked on Sun Devils your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode is also brought to you by Sonos. Reinventing home audio for today and tomorrow. The smart home sound system. The official partner of ESPN College Football. Help the world listen better. Richie, it's Tuesday, my man. We are getting closer and closer to the Vegas Bowl, just a couple more sleeps away. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, Connor, I'm not going to lie to you. It is sad boy hours. My my fantasy seasons have officially come to an end, so I am mad depresso, so I need some espresso. That is the cure for everything. I, I still have... I don't even drink le- coffee. I have two left over. Uh, out of five that I'm going to the championship. Uh, one of them is luckily my, still my big money league, uh, but we'll see how that goes. So, but that aside, um, where can the good people find us on Twitter? They can find us all over the place. So they can find myself at Richie Brad's three, six. They can find you at C Drios. And of course they can find the podcast at L O underscore Sun Devils. And Connor, yes. how often do we come out a week? Monday through Friday, we give you content that's specifically related to ASU basketball and football. The best content you're going to find. You can find us on Google Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Odyssey app, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Now, Richie, I mentioned towards the beginning, we're going to be starting off with some specific stats as far as some Sun Devils and kind of where they rank against the rest of the Pac-12. Let's kick off with a fun one. One of our uh, our favorite players on the Sun Devils team. In terms of the Pac-12 three-point field goal percentage leaders, uh, as far as today, there is Jared Lucas, uh, who plays for the Beavers. Uh, David uh, Jenkins, am I pronouncing that right? Jenkins. Jenkins. Jenkins? I don't know why that's throwing me off. I don't know either. David Jenkins. What did did I say? Jenkins? I I don't know, but Leroy Jenkins. Yes, I believe that's his name. David (laughs) Jenkins, who plays for Utah, and then DJ Horn. Coming in at number three, so the leader for Lucas uh, was at 42.5%, Jenkins was at 41.6%, and DJ Horn's at 40.5%. So when you're looking at specific numbers between college and the NBA, like it, it's not it's not all the same, right? Different game, you play with a different amount of, of time, right? You play with halves in college versus quarters in, uh, in the NBA, so it, it doesn't quite all stack up. But one thing holds true, a 40.3-point percentage is solid no matter what level of basketball you're playing at. So... There's been times where I've at least talked about on the podcast where DJ Horn has excelled. Sometimes it felt like it was more so about shot volume versus just straight up percentage. I didn't realize how good of a shooter DJ Horn has been, at least against the rest of the Pac-12, because 40.5% is very good. There's other teams 
uh, specifically, like let's talk about uh, 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 Kerr Krissa, uh, who is play who plays for U of A, comes in at number five on this list uh, at thirty four point four percent. You would think for a team that scores ninety one points per game uh, would have several guys potentially in the top five, which we're talking about just straight three point percentage, right? They could have a lot of guys sitting right at about 34, 33%. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But for a team like ASU who struggled significantly at times shooting from the shooting from deep kind of pains me to think where they would be without DJ Horn this season. Yeah. I mean, they've been very, very fortunate to have DJ Horn. I mean, there's a reason why we talk about him as like the mascot of the Sun Devils basketball team. No, that's, that's, that's Sparky, buddy. Oh, sorry. Of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Is that better? There you go. Much better. It's DJ Horn, Rashad White, and Darian Butler. Those are our three spirit animals. And quite frankly, if we're doing a Mount Rushmore, we need one more guy. So, I mean, open tryouts for anyone who would like to step up. Maybe it's Marcus Bagley. Who knows? Maybe it's it's Fontes Perfect. Maybe a nursery. I don't know. But point is, DJ Horn has been a monster. And if it's just shooting anywhere on the court because I'm looking at his numbers right in front of me. He's also shooting over 50% from his two point range overall, uh, 44.6% for all his field goals. So he's dangerous everywhere in the court. And he's one of those guys who actually has proven to be very reliable for the Sun Devils, puts up points and bunches reliable from any point on the court, easy guy to trust when the, when, when the team needs points on the board, put the ball in DJ Horn's hands. And we've seen the Sun Devils rely on him a lot more, especially with Bagley being out, is we've seen Horn become the focal point of this offense, and they put a lot of trust in him. He's averaging the most minutes on the game, too, at 30.4. Just all in all, this is a guy that clearly the Sun Devils have faith in, and it's really awesome to see that the numbers are backing up the reason why the Sun Devils have been backing him up. Totally agree. I think when Bagley's back, he's definitely going to be playing off ball a little bit more as a forward, not going to be so much uh, carrying the ball down the court. So I'm curious if Horn becomes a little bit more of a distributor or how his, I'm curious to see how his, his shots, uh, total volume of shots per game change. I mean, we're talking about a percentage, right? Whether it is uh, two, three, three point shots a game versus six or seven, it's, it's a percentage, right? So it doesn't necessarily matter how many he's taking just based on how much he makes. So just for uh, what it's worth, before we move on, Jay Heath is actually leading the team with 40.7%, but he's not listed. Maybe it's because of games. He's only played 10 games. Maybe it's because he doesn't have starts. Maybe it's for the minutes. He's only 25.4. Maybe it's How many for the shots attempts. has he taken? That, that's what I would think it is. It's more based he's on... He's averaging less than three shots per game, whereas Horn's averaging almost seven. That's what I would probably say. It, it, this list is probably based on a certain number of attempts. Maybe not so much per game, but at least have to have a certain amount uh, shot this season. Right. Yeah, if totally. you shot, if you shot two total and you made both of them, right. You're, you're not necessarily hundred percent, baby. That's yeah, exactly. So there's some other criteria uh, for this list as well. Moving on uh, as far as steals per game, loser Muhammad comes in at number three in this list, uh, just behind Terrell Brown and Dijon Davis, who both play for the university of Washington who have 2.1 and two steals per game, uh, respectively. Muhammad then sits third in the Pac-12 at 1.5 with some close competition right behind him uh, with 1.4. So while that's not the significant lead, it's still nice to see Luther Muhammad contributing to some capacity. Has not been the score that we thought he would be this season. He still looks like he's struggling or, or maybe 
lacks a little confidence with the ball in his hands at times, but at least defensively, he, he's been very solid. Um, I, I know he was – He I, there's been several key steals I can think of throughout this season, so it's not a surprise to see him on this list. But again, third in the Pac-12, I probably would have lost that bet. It is really nice to see that you're getting uh, production on the defensive side of the, of the ball too. And for Luther Muhammad to be another one of those guys to step up, he was another one of your transfers that you were really excited about and you were hoping that he could also be a difference maker for you. Maybe maybe he hasn't been the most dominant shooter in the whole world. I mean, he's only averaging do, 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 do. I don't see it. There, it's at the end. He's only averaging just about seven points a game, but he has been a really good defensive player, averaging just over two defensive rebounds a game. And I mean, he's playing just over 20 minutes too. So it's not like this guy's a full-time starter, but he's still finding a way to make a difference when he is on the court especially on the defensive side of the ball. Those steals are very, very important to give you more possessions, obviously. I don't I don't need to explain that to you unless you've never watched sports before. But I've actually Muhammad, never watched sports before. Given all your tanks, Connor, that doesn't surprise me. Man, you had an opportunity to back me up as my co-host, and you just you saw the bus coming, and you pushed me in front of it. No, nah, dude, what you did is you stood under the rim, and I posterized you. Anyways, steals per game. <laughs> did, did, hold on. Did you like that because you're talking basketball? No, I actually hurt my feelings a little bit more. Oh, well, maybe next time don't set yourself up to fail. There's a little life lesson for you. Well, let's move on to blocks per game. Uh, in terms of the Pac-12, Alonzo Gaffney comes in at number five with 1.6, behind Christian Coloco from Arizona averaging 3.3. So pretty big gap between five to one just in the Pac-12 alone. But Alonzo Gaffney is very physical. Uh, has had several games this year where he has shown up on offense uh, tremendously. Otherwise, he, he really feels like a, a rebound kind of guy. Uh, doesn't always uh, – I'm curious what his shooting percentages look like. I, I don't have them in front of me, but uh, has had several key dunks I know throughout the season. So playing very physically, it's not a surprise to see him uh, as a high-effort kind of guy leading the way with 1.6 blocks this season for the Sun Devils. Yeah, not totally surprised. So, I mean, that that's just another really awesome stat that you like to see, knowing that you've got you've got guys that are producing and finding a way to produce for you and get on those impressive stats for you guys. So, it, again, it's just you're getting production across the board from all these different guys, all these different stats that we're pointing out there. They're all different names for Arizona State. So uh, there's still a few more that we've yet to look through. But that that's just another really important one is getting those blocks, getting those opportunities. That was another thing I was going to mention. We have two more stats here to talk about here. Um, and none of them are the same names. So moving on to assists per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marion Jackson comes in at number four in the Pac-12 at 4.2. Uh, behind Kerr Krista uh, for Arizona, who's averaging 5.2. So uh, again, Marion Jackson, similar to Luther Muhammad, a guy we're not. We're not saying score as much as we would like, but still contributing in some other capacity. Uh, capacity. So if as a, a guard, if you're not that, that type of score, that's fine. Not every guard is. Uh, some of them are, are just better at distributing the ball, finding guys open on the court, um, or, or just great passers. And if that's all Marion Jackson is, at least he's contributing to this team at some level. Uh, and then, Richie, well, let's move on uh, really quickly here. I'm going to rebounds per game. Kamani Lawrence coming in at third in the Pac-12 at 8.2. Yes, sir. So uh, good for Kamani for uh, a guy who's been a very solid scorer for us this year. Um, He's kind of contributed in in a a facet of ways. So the fact that he's not top five in the Pac-12 on these lists is not surprising to me. 
Um, but in a lot of these other categories, he's been very, very solid. So, um, but again, not a huge difference between 9.6 to, to 8.2 from Isaiah Mobley uh, from USC. So, uh, although Mobley might not be on that list for much longer because he is, uh, I, I think he's hurt if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, r- regardless, uh, that's that is just really some statistics on this ASU team. A lot of contributors across the board. No one's necessarily contributing at multiple facets, I would say, outside of Kamani. Uh, but it is at least nice to see people who are, are kind of in your starting lineup uh, contributing at least some degree. So with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to the second part of this podcast, talking specifically about players to watch. Uh, but thank you so much for making Locked on Sundowns your first listen every day. Make sure to check out the Ultimate College Playoff Preview for 2021. Local experts, betting advice, and draft analysis. The most comprehensive college football playoff uh, preview begins, and it is live right now. So with that, Richie, let's dig into uh, Wisconsin and ASU for the Vegas Bowl. We've kind of talked about this team a a couple times over the last couple weeks. I I feel like some of our listeners might have an an idea of where we sit with this game and kind of what Wisconsin has to offer. But let's talk about specific players. Uh, Maybe let's kick it off with the offense. One of our favorite guys we've liked to talk about, or I shouldn't say favorite because I'm sure we're not going to like him very much come December 30th, but Braylon Allen running back for the Wisconsin Badgers has been an absolute baller this year. Um, we, we've talked about some of his numbers a little bit. Richie, I think you and I were both caught off guard by how big this guy is, especially for a freshman. Dude, so what's so funny is I had this perception in my head that he was – like not, not a scat back, but he was like one of those, like kind of modern build guys where he's around that five eleven, two hundred 200 pound, able to cut on a dime. And that, that was the perception I had of Braylon Allen because I hadn't watched Wisconsin this year. And then I started watching him and then I looked at pictures of him. And then I looked at his build at six two, two hundred 238 pounds. Connor, this is, this is an AJ Dillon kind of player. And maybe, maybe people are hoping and praying this is a Derrick Henry or a Brandon Jacobs kind of player, but 7.1 on the ground, 12 touchdowns, didn't even lead the team in carries. The dude is an absolute monster. This is a dude honor who you bring in to break the back of the defense because you're going to wear and tear him out all game long. And then Braylon Allen's going to come in and he's like a closer in baseball. He's, he is the equivalent of a Mariano Rivera kind of closer for football games where the defense is tired and they're like, oh man, we're so close. We need to stop. And all of a sudden this big Hulk of a man comes out and says, nah, bro, this game's over. I'm gonna, we're going to run the ball seven times and I'm going to, I'm just going to absolutely obliterate you guys. That's the kind of back Braylon Allen, uh, Braylon Allen is the problem is he's going to start getting starting touches. So he's going to be wearing you out for four quarters instead of, towards the end of the game when you need to tire a defense out. Yeah, exactly. So he played in 11 games this season uh, compared to the next player that we're going to talk about here who played in nine, did not lead the team in rushing attempts. So not so much their starter has been a little bit more of that closer, as you had mentioned, but certainly more efficient, definitely their most efficient runner at 7.1 yards per attempt. And I think you mentioned this yesterday and probably emphasized it then. I'm going to emphasize it again. 7.1 yards per attempt. I understand in in college, sometimes stats can get a little gaudy. And Wisconsin has been known to produce a ton of uh, NFL offensive linemen. So I'm sure Wisconsin's got a couple quality players along that offensive line yet again. 
But Braylon Allen's been an absolute monster this year. He is going to be the absolute focal point of this offense and something ASU is going to have to focus on. Uh, scored 12 rushing touchdowns on the season. Not much of a, a, a receiver. So I know you had mentioned that your perception was maybe not so much a, a scat back, but a guy who might be able to do both right on the ground and through the air. So he got six receptions this year for 37 yards, which may not be an indicator for his receiving ability, more so just the offense that Wisconsin likes to run and just how they use him. So not too surprising there. Now let's move a little bit to what we would call their so-called starter, the guy who's led the team in rushing attempts, even with two games um, two games less than Braylon Allen. That's going to be Ches Malusi, Richie. What, what do we know about him? Malusi is that build that I thought Braylon he Allen He is was. that guy, pal. He is, he is that guy, that pal. Guy. I mean, it, and he's nothing to scoff at. I mean, it's just, it's so funny. You look at the numbers that Braylon Allen has, and then you look at Chaz Malusi, and you're like, oh, man, what a letdown. But a lot of college football teams would take Chaz Malusi as their starter. 815 yards in nine games, Connor. That's averaging 90 yards a game. He only scored five times, but he had 4.7 a clip. I mean, this guy... They rely on him, obviously. They they feel like he can carry the load. And having a dynamic combination of him and Braylon Allen is a nightmare for a lot of defenses. There's a reason why they were able to put together a pretty rock-solid 2021 season. They ended up finishing 8-4, and four, which was, I believe, second place in their division of the Big Ten. But Wisconsin is no joke when it comes to their running backs. Ches Malusi, Malusi, excuse me, or maybe it is Malusi. I have no idea, but Ches Malusi is no joke. Dude's a stud, certified stud. He, he's a problem. So the one bright side with both of these guys, neither of them are big pass catchers. Uh, Malusi only had seven this year. And as we mentioned, Allen only had six. So call them one dimensional air quotes. If you want, the point is, this team is going to be relying on the ground game. They're not going to overthink it. You know what you're going up against. You know what you need to prepare for. That That is the one bright side with this offense, Connor. You know what they're going to do. The problem is ASU has had a hard time stopping that, D- despite knowing what a team is going to do. Look at Oregon State and their gimmicky quarterback who would come in and run for first downs. He had that like 40 yard touchdown run on like fourth down. You're sitting there, you're like, you know, you know what they're going to do. And it didn't matter. It so didn't matter. It, it's, it's the same story with Wisconsin. What are they going to do, Connor? I think they're going to pass, right? Uh, the opposite. They're going to run. Oh, they're going to run the ball. That's right. Yes. What are they going to do on first, second, third, and fourth down? We're going to run the football with these two guys. And they, they're they probably going to find some pretty good success, which is why I'm very happy that we're pretty much retaining our whole front seven instead of the secondary, because otherwise we'd get gashed for like 400 yards. And we still might because these two are studs. Yep, definitely. So we, we talked about the lack of receiving upside with these running backs they didn't have to pass the running backs very much. So it's not so much that they, they don't or can't, they just didn't have to because they were so darn good running the ball on the ground. So we call it a bright side or at least a, a positive. And a devil's and, advocate that they also couldn't. Yeah. It was like, uh, they it, couldn't it, pass. Yeah. So, but, uh, uh, but just Malusi a little bit slider, but not necessarily a, a tiny running back by any means at 5'11, 204. So still has uh, a somewhat solid build, but just, completely different from uh, from Braylon Allen. So uh, I, I don't care which one you call the starter, which one you call the closer. Uh, if you want to call, put either of them in as a change of pace option, 
uh, option. I, I don't, I don't care for that. Not one bit. So they're going to have a hard time stopping one, let alone both as they get more tired into this game uh, in the second half. Uh, if the defense gets a little bit more worn down from uh, the law, like the first three, three and a half quarters, I, I really do not feel good about the end of this game because if uh, Wisconsin has the opportunity to run the ball uh, and just put the game on ice with ASU playing a little bit of catch up, not an opportunity or not an opportunity, not a position they want to be in, I should say. Yeah. Bright side, like, like we mentioned, they can't pass this football to save their lives. So we can expect the running backs aren't going to get too much action. And if we somehow force them into a situation where they need to pass, they don't really have the weapons or the quarterback to do it. Danny Davis, Jake Ferguson, Kendrick Pryor all had 400 yards combined for seven touchdowns though. So not great. So with that, let's take a look at the defense. We did talk about him a little bit yesterday. We're going to talk about him a little bit more in depth. That's going to be linebacker Leo Chanel standing at 6'2", 255. Uh, dude's been phenomenal. So he's currently a junior, played 10 games this season, uh, got over 100 tackles at 106, 17 TFLs and seven sacks. So with two, also two forced fumbles. So uh, definitely the, the captain of their defense that we're going to want to highlight. Chanel is going to be a stud for this team who doesn't have to worry about stopping Rashad White. So I am curious if they play him a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage or if they try to keep him a little bit more, maybe following like a uh, uh, Curtis Hodges, if they don't have like a safety on him or something like that. But Chanel has been phenomenal for this defense. And there's a lot of other really good players, but Chanel is easily the one that stands out the most. Yes. I mean, Chanel is where it starts and where it ends when we're talking about these absolute monster players on that defensive side of the ball. The fact that he was averaging over 10 tackles and nearly two TFLs a game should speak volumes about the kind of player he is. We talked about him a little yesterday. So just a friendly reminder, this is, this is your classic linebacker build kind of guy, 6'2", 255, clearly a presence off the edge, but also a guy who's just a sure tackler in space, makes plays behind the line of scrimmage. They're going to get him all over the place. They're going to they're going to find a way to get him into the backfield and just wreak absolute hell on anything that the Sun Devils want to try and do. I am trying to look up the the finalists for the top linebacker of the year award, and I am looking at the wrong award. So please stand by while I get that. But in the meantime, Connor, there's a couple other guys we can talk about here. I mean, just look up who's finishing behind Devin Lloyd this year. You're not wrong. Well, I mean, Will Anderson was kind of subbed as a linebacker too, so for right. what it's worth. Correct. Uh, so with that, we can also look at cornerback Caesar Williams. Uh, he's had three interceptions on the season with a pick six, as well as five pass defense. Not a not a huge guy, kind of similar to the Jack Jones build. Is that like a 5'10 and like 188? So uh, one of their lockdown corners, but... Three interceptions is tied for the team lead uh, with another play that we're going to talk about here shortly. Uh, but it, it really seems like the strength of this defense is a little bit more up front. But Caesar Williams is not necessarily a guy they're going to want to pass to too, too often. Uh, when Jaden Daniels does look throw, because he will. I, I'm not sure if he's playing a little bit more on the outside versus inside. So if they leave Ricky Pierce all kind of more in the slot uh, away from him, that might be more advantageous uh, versus throwing to an Andre Johnson like an LP Bunkley Shelton. Richard, do you have the name of that award, or should I move on to Colin Wilder? Um, real quick, because I'm kind of floored here, and now I need to double check. Devin Lloyd did not win the the uh, the Dick Buckus Award this year. 
because because Nicobe Dean won it. Okay, the, well, the plays linebacker for defense from, for Georgia. Yeah, not not ideal, but I it looks like Nicobe Dean. Yeah, confirmed. Nicobe Dean actually won the Buckus Award over Devin Lloyd, which is a travesty in itself. So, real quick side rant: Pac-12 gets no representation. Every single year, Devin Lloyd was far and away the best linebacker in football. And no, no offense to Nicobe Dean, who I would love my Baltimore Ravens to draft in the first round because he's going to go in the first round in the upcoming draft. But Devin Lloyd, yeah, man, that's a shame. Nicobe, Dean obviously had the the he had the advantage of playing for uh, arguably the best team in the nation right now. Uh, so when we expect to play for that national championship, we potentially win for a phenomenal and potentially even historic defense in college football, potentially that Georgia defense was nothing to, to scoff at. I remember you texted me probably gosh, over, uh, over halfway through the season, for sure. You said Georgia gave up a touchdown, which was their biggest uh, deficit they faced all year long. Nicobe Dean was a huge factor in that. So no disrespect to Dean. He's going to be one of the best linebackers in this draft class, but yeah, Devin Lloyd for sure. Anyways, getting back to uh, the Wisconsin team. Yeah, back on topic. Sorry about that. Colin uh, Wilder is one of the other players we want to highlight. One of their safeties, so another player uh, as far as DBs go, 5'10", 199, so has a little bit of boom to him. Senior, uh, who has 32 total tackles this year, only one for loss. But again, he has three interceptions, three pass defense, uh, a fumble recovery, and a forced fumble. So they have some playmakers uh, a little bit overall. I'm not too familiar with their uh, defensive line as a whole. But as far as their linebackers and DBs go, they seem to be uh, essentially they have just a ton of guys to play with back there. So uh, which might be a little bit helpful for this ASU run game, but that's yet to be seen. Yeah, we'll see. They got a, They got a couple of guys who have ball hawking skills between Colin Wilder, Caesar Williams. Both led the team with three interceptions. Uh, Williams actually had a pick six. Both of them, Connor, for what it's worth, averaged over 16 yards per return on their interceptions. So they know what to do when the ball is in their hands. Yep. So with that, uh, we'll get a little bit more into this preview. Uh, again, game is coming up on Thursday this week, not necessarily Saturday like we're accustomed to. So we'll be getting into more of our uh, betting odds, uh, bowl predictions, things like that uh, within the next day or so prior to that game kicking off. Uh, I know we touched on this yesterday, but I don't think we ever confirmed it on the podcast. Uh, the game is actually at 830 uh, Mountain Time. So for anybody on the East Coast that is listening to this, that'll be a 1030 kickoff your time. But 830 for those that are on the West Coast. With that, we're going to move into the last part of the podcast for today. Uh, but before that, we're going to be talking about one of our favorite sponsors, which is going to be Bet Online. They have you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the college bowl seasons and the play, uh, pro football playoffs, Better Line remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use that promo code Locked On to receive that bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, so don't wait to take advantage of all those new and amazing offers available to you. BetOnline, where the game starts. Richie, let's get into the last part of the podcast for today. We were actually referencing one of our friends who has been on this podcast multiple times, but Donnie Druin from 
uh, Sports Illustrated, who runs their Sun Devils page. Uh, you can find him on Twitter, at Donnie Druin. Uh, he, he's phenomenal, one of the experts that we love to follow on Twitter as far as everything Sun Devils goes. Uh, make sure to give him and his Twitter page a follow. But he put out Potentially an getting him on the pod later this week. Potentially talking about that as we get ready for the Vegas Bowl, so definitely. Uh, but as far as the upcoming Vegas Bowl, he wrote an interesting article uh, specifically for uh, like fun facts about Arizona State and the Vegas Bowl. So some of these I, I feel like I had known, others I didn't, which everything is important with context. So when, even when you're looking at a fact, there, there's got to be context around that, right? Uh, so one of the, the facts he had noted was ASU has been bowl eligible in nine of the last 10 years since 2011, excluding the 2020 season when they only got to play four games because that not, it's not necessarily uh, not necessarily fair to count that, right? They didn't even get to play six games in, uh, in, in the first place. But nine of the last 10. Richie, when you talk about schools like that, you would think about a team that's consistently, consistently really good at football. And it wouldn't say ASU does not fit that category. They're just not, they're not dead last, right? They're not one of the bottom feeders in the Pac-12 have not been so over the last decade. That doesn't mean they haven't just, uh, kind of stumbled throughout certain times over the last decade or so, but they also haven't had a ton of like 10 wins, uh, 10 win seasons, 11 win seasons. So not in the last 10. So it at least speaks to some of the quality of, of teams that ASU has put together. I mean, it helps that they get to play in the Sun Devil. Oh, sorry, just the Sun Bowl, like every two to three years or something like that. But it does speak to the consistency that Arizona State has been able to put out on the football field. They're consistently consistent, Connor. I mean, they had back-to-back 10 win seasons in 2013 and 2014, I believe, or it might have been 2012, 2013. But they had back-to-back 10 win seasons earlier in the 2010s. And since then, they churn out seven, eight win seasons every year. It's nothing outstanding, but quite frankly, us Sun Devil fans have grown accustomed to going to any kind of bowl game every year. It's really nice to know that they've been able to do that pretty much in full seasons. Like for the last 10 years, the only time they missed it was a COVID written four game season. I mean, that seems like an accomplishment in itself. So very happy to see that, that, that does warm my heart. Yeah. It gets frustrating when you're consistently playing for, I'm just going to nickname it something else. Let's call it the mediocrity bowl, right? So if if you're playing for uh, just a a bigger bowl game in general, I'm actually playing in a bigger bowl game this year. Still not quite as good as what we'd want, but for a team that had faltered certainly down the stretch, um, it's kind of what you expect, right? So along those same lines, uh, another fact here for you, Arizona State is one of only 20 power five schools to have reached bowl eligibility in the last or sorry, in nine of the last 10 years, excluding the 2020 season, a list that includes the 2021 Vegas Bowl opponent, Wisconsin. Um, so one of only 20 power five schools, 20, like seriously, like that's, uh, again, that's, it just shows kind of the trajectory to where ASU has been. They haven't let their highs get too high or their lows get too low. Obviously there's some other really, really good blue blood schools on that list. I'm sure out of 20 in the nation, uh, some of your really good college football programs. But I'm sure there's some others that would surprise you that didn't meet that criteria. Now, if we're talking only 20 schools in the nation, it, it takes it takes one uh, of uh, essentially like one or two really bad seasons for that to happen. It doesn't happen to an Alabama, but it happens to some other really solid programs. So, I mean, off the good. top of my head, you, you got programs like USC in the Pac-12. Uh, you, you've had Texas, Florida has missed a bowl game. Like they're 
there are legitimate big name schools, Miami, Florida, Florida States, like big schools that have won national championships in the last 20 years that have missed bowl games. That's nuts that Arizona State has found a way to get themselves in a conversation of like an Alabama or an Ohio State, not even Ohio State. They got eliminated from a bowl game because of um, controversial issues involving playing players and stuff like that, but neither here nor there. The point is you actually have put yourself in the same list as a team like in Alabama. That's a big deal, Connor. Right. And we under, like, don't hear what we're not saying. We understand the gap between those two schools. We're not totally. saying like, we want we're, on Bama. This, we're on the same list as Alabama. Like we, we want must Bama. Be really good. We, we want Bama. Play. We like, want Bama. I want the smoke. Give me I'm, Bama's four string players in Tempe. I think we win. I'm editing that out of the podcast. So Absolutely not. <laughs> Another fun fact here for you. Arizona State has been uh, in four straight bowl games for only the fifth time in program history. Now, ASU has been around a long time, long, long time. Uh, we did an episode probably about a month or so ago now. I think when we were talking about the Territorial Cup. Yes, and, we talked and our about first when, game was like 1898 or something like that. It was like really late. Uh, in the 1800s, like just before the year 1900. So for, and I'm going to sound really, really uh, bad for saying this. I don't know when the idea of bowl games came out. Um, so for, for all intents and purposes, bowl games have probably not been a thing since the year like 1900, right? I don't, I don't so, know, See, that's the thing is that that doesn't feel like common knowledge. I, while I don't know how long, um, Rich, if you could actually like look that up while I, I continue to monologue here, I'm not sure when the first uh, bowl game would have started. I guarantee you it was probably not that long ago, but at the same time, uh, four bowl games in a row for five uh, or sorry, sorry, going to a bowl game for four straight years, only the fifth time in school history. It just, if you have a lot of like maybe prospects leave because they graduate or they're heading to the NFL draft and you're not able to, uh, kind of re regroup and uh, replenish some of those starters that you had just lost. Like it's really not that hard to have uh, like a, a down year, but clearly from the statistic, ASU's probably had several down years and hasn't been able to string that kind of success together. But Richie, uh, do you have the like the first bowl game ever played or like I do? The, okay, nineteen oh two. Okay, well I was right. West tournament. And fun fact. Stanford was in the game. I don't believe they were part of the um, Pacific Coast Conference at the time, the Pac-8 or whatever it was. I don't even know when that was established, truthfully. But they played Michigan, and uh, Michigan won 49-0. But Stanford was in it. They participated. They had, like, Andrew Luck's great-great-grandfather, I'm sure. I'm sure. I, well, so at least... But I Michigan had Tom Brady's great-grandfather. I... I uh... I didn't say, or I, I said that the first bowl game probably wasn't in the year 1900. That's just a fact. But context is important because it was apparently only two years later. Another fun fact here for you, the Sun Devils have averaged 33.4 points per game over their last uh, seven bowl appearances. Now, I'm not quite sure what Wisconsin's giving up per game, but we'll definitely talk about that in the next day or two. Uh, I'm sure it's a little bit more than maybe what Wisconsin's defense is giving up. And for a team that's not going to have Rashad White, I'm going to say that we're going to score less than 33 points per game. Just a, a spoiler for the next episode or two. Uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about us scoring less than 33.4 points per game. In fact, 
I'd be happy if we got half of that. If you can give me seven or not, not even 17, if you can give me 16.7 point spread, I think I would take the over. Maybe. I don't know. I don't feel confident about it though. I think ASU finished the season over 30 points per game. They were probably just about that. Cause we had, had they didn't play no Wisconsin though. True. But they played like Utah it, once. Yeah. It, it helps to play like a, an Arizona towards the end of the season, uh, kind of boost that up just a little bit. But um, yeah, the, if that's the case, it's probably right or about or above their average now missing your two starting running backs. Yeah. I don't feel too good about that. Uh, Jaden Daniels looks to become uh, one or sorry, to become only the third quarterback in program history to win two bowl games in his career. Richie, without looking at it, if you haven't already. I already did. Dang it. Uh, So the other two players that have done that before as far as quarterbacks go are Taylor Kelly from 2012 to 2014 and Danny White in 1973, 74, and 1975. Which, in all fairness, those are two Arizona State legends. Like, say what you want about Taylor Kelly. Very, very good quarterback for Arizona State. Danny White, actually in the Arizona State Ring of Honor. He's in the Arizona State Hall of Fame. Danny White legit won a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys. Started, I believe. Could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he started and won a Super Bowl for the Dallas Cowboys. But the the name I'm surprised didn't make it. Truthfully, the name I'm surprised is Manny Wilkins. I would have thought that Arizona State won two with him. But, I mean, it's not like they were great teams when Manny was the quarterback there. So, I don't know the record off the top of my head, but... ASU might have appeared in a lot of bowl games over the last decade. I don't think they have a winning record in those bowl games over the last decade. So it doesn't surprise me that much. Um, but especially since Taylor Kelly had graduated. So since 2014, let's say, uh, or at least when he won his last bowl game, uh, I, I would bet we don't have a winning record since then. But uh, for, that's only happened to two other quarterbacks in program history, and he could be the third. It's still pretty cool. Like at the end of the day, if he does win that that second bowl game, are we going to look back at Jaden Daniels as the one of like one of the best ASU quarterbacks? No, we're not. But it's still an accomplishment nonetheless that only two other Sun Devils in over a hundred years of history have been able to accomplish. So good for him if he can get that done. Um, ASU will play their fourth bowl game on December thirtieth, going two and one in their previous occasions. Uh, okay, so that already proves me wrong from what I just said, but. Uh, most famously, the Sun Devils defeated North Carolina 48-26 in the 1970 Peach Bowl, uh, specifically on December 30th. Okay, so I, I see what Donnie's saying here. On the actual date of December On the 30th, actual date, yes. It, okay, so they're 2-1. and one. Um, Lastly, it looks like, or I, he's just highlighting the, the win against North Carolina. So, uh, okay, a couple more here before we close out the podcast for you. A total of 28 different Sun Devils have earned a bowl game MVP honor including current quarterback Jaden Daniels, who is offensive MVP of the 2019 Sun Bowl. Uh, I'm curious how many Sun Bowl MVP honors the Sun Bowls have. Probably, probably like 100. Probably too many. We own all the uh, offensive it's honors. It's the Sun Devil Bowl, Bowl, like tongue-in-cheek and totally joking around. It's the Sun Devil Bowl. They let the other team know, hey, like your team can't win offensive MVP. Like in any sense, like we, we can't even – we're going to strike you from the honor mentions as well. So Real, real quick, we, I don't know if you caught this, but – uh, after Miami, Florida had the opt out of the Sun Bowl because of their COVID issues. COVID issues. Wazoo has stepped into the, the Sun, Bowl. Sun Bowl. So I actually I tweeted that and I said, "Hey, congratulations on going to the Sun Devil Bowl." <laughs> we'll be thinking about you, even though you guys own us this year. But I mean, yeah. neither here nor there. 
And the last one fact for you, not necessarily a big one, but this is ASU's first big uh, first bowl game against a Big Ten team since 2005. So there you have it. That's going to do it for us today on the podcast. Remember, you can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at Cedrios. You can find Richie Bradshaw at RichieBrads36 with a Z. Uh, you can also follow our content and subscribe. Never miss an episode. You can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Odyssey app, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every day. Make sure to come back for tomorrow's episode, digging a little bit more into a preview against the uh, Wisconsin Badgers in the Vegas Bowl. Now make the second listen of your day, Lockdown Bets. They're going to be your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Lockdown Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. You keep it locked on right here with the Locked On Sun Devils podcast.